Hey, welcome back to another episode of A-Sides. This is Brent, back for a solo episode, and today I got the chance to chat with the one, the only, legendary rock drummer, Carmine Apiece. kind of have a lot going on this year. King Cobra has a couple different deluxe edition reissues, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, self-titled album that came out a few years back, as well as the, uh, the live in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We, uh, you know, I had that, I had both of those on my own label at one point. And uh, after I got it back from, uh, frontiers, you know, and uh, I thought it'd be nice to have it out. So then I got a hold of uh, I got a hold of everybody uh, that's involved, Deco Records and uh, the band and everything. And we all agreed to get it out, you know, you know. So uh, it, I, you know, we just put it out. And I've been working with Deco on other things, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, we just put it out, and then they said, "Do you have any bonus tracks?" You know. So um, I said, "Yeah, I do have some." So let me listen to it. So when I listened to it, I said, "Well, let me put these on there," you know, because uh, when I first mixed them, like uh, we did, uh, "Monsters and Heroes," "Iron Eagle," and uh, "Running Wild," I wasn't crazy about it when I heard it because we, we were so into the mixing, you know, the other songs sounded better to me, you know? So, but then when I let it go for a while, I haven't listened to it, I thought, oh, this sounds pretty good, you know? So when they asked me, do you have something? I said, yeah, I do have something, you know? So I played it for them, they liked it. So I said, okay, great, you know? So we're, uh, yeah, so we put it out that way. And uh, with the other album, same kind of thing. Monsters and Heroes was never any on, on any of our albums, you know, and uh, and basically um, it was like the thing that it was done before me and Vinny put it on our album. It was done in 2010 and given to Wendy Dio, you know, to put in her uh, foundation, the Cancer Foundation, released it or whatever money was paid from it went to the foundation. And when it came back, then we added my brother to it and remixed it and had a whole new take on the song and put it on our album. And then, uh, so we never released it with King Cobra. And then when we went to Sweden Rock Festival, which was uh, around the same time our album was getting ready to come out, uh, we played it there, but I told him it'd be better to leave it off the live album that I put out on Rocket Records so it doesn't confuse the audience, you know. And now, since our album has been out a couple, you know, two or three years, I thought it'd be cool to to add it to the live record and add the original version to the other studio record that came out. So that's that's how it all came about. All oh, right, on. 
So I got to ask, is there going to be uh, physical copies of it? Or maybe I just, I I looked on Amazon to try to order uh, them on vinyl. Well, and actually I've, I haven't been there, able to find them. But No, there isn't vinyl on it yet. I think I, I made a deal with a, a label called Metalville to do a physical copy. I think they were just doing CDs of both those records. Uh, when that deal is up, I'll probably bring it to Deco, and, and maybe they'll do the uh, vinyls on it, because they definitely want vinyl out uh, of Yeah. So are there any plans to tour? Um, I mean, it's not, I guess it's not a brand new record or anything, but um, was King Cobra planning on going out to do any? Well... After working on this, we've got a new record we're working on. And after hearing the live record, uh, I'm thinking maybe in 2022 we should go out and do some dates. I just talked to my brother. I said, if maybe we should do, we can do some Last in Line and King Cobra shows together. Oh, yeah, that'd be killer. That would be really cool and a different, you know, have a bit of a concept to the shows rather than just you know, two bands playing together, you know? Yeah. So I think we'll do something. And uh, we're doing a new record as well for Cleopatra. And that one there is going to be uh, different guitar players because Mick is on his time off from movie business. He's a painter on, on the set in you know, Painters Union, you know, in, uh, in Hollywood. Yeah. And on his time off, he's he playing with the Bullet Boys and all. So, he didn't really want to participate in the new record. Neither did David. David works for Live Nations and he does some computer stuff for them. He's a computer guy. And, you know, he don't. He says, hey, I don't want to make a record that nobody hears. And I said, dude, let's just make a record just for fun. You know, it's not about not going to make any money, really. You know, but you know, let's keep the legacy going, you know. He didn't want it, so... We got Rowan Robinson from Dio, and we also have, uh, we're talking to Cavallo, uh, Carlos Cavazzo and Quiet Riot. I think those two would be good, and I think those two might be willing to do some touring next year. So, what's the line? So, you're working on the, the new album, you said. Is there, yes. is there, a, is that already recorded have you already started no tracking we're, it, we're starting tracking now we, we wrote a bunch of songs me Paul Stratino and Rowan Robinson wrote a bunch of songs and we're, we're, we're thinking we're, we're talking to uh, Carlos about being involved he seems interested I'm supposed to call him today oh, okay. and talk to him about it and then uh, if he's interested in it then uh, then you know I'm going to ask him if he wants to if we do some tour dates next year because he hasn't toured since he played with Rat you know, right. and uh, it'd be nice. He's a good player. I was like Carlos, and he's, he's into cars like I am. You know, yeah. we get along. And uh, so we'll see how it goes. But if it ain't Carlos, we'll get somebody else, you know? Yeah. So King Cobra, you know, just to go back to, I guess, the history of it. I mean, the first, the first album came out, and I might be wrong, but I'm thinking 86, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, 80, 85, 85, 86, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so, I mean, this is a band that's been around for a long time, but there was quite a break there. Oh, yeah. I mean, we broke up. Right. Basically. We, we were done. And then uh, that was like, I don't know, the last thing we, we did was, 
as a band was in 86, and then Mark Free didn't want to sing heavy metal and heavy rock, so, and then turned himself into a woman. Right. And then Johnny Rod left to join Wasp, so was, the three of us left, you know, and uh, so we got these two new guys, Mark Turin and Lonnie Vincent, and we worked on new songs, and then those two left with Mick and, and did the Bullet Boys at a complete shock to me and Dave. And then they used some of the equipment, uh, equipment uh, material that we were doing. So I was like blown away. I said, whoa, you know? Yeah. And uh, and then they, you know, they got a gold record on it. I was really pissed off because, you know, we were writing the material with all of us. So we didn't get any credit. And uh, right. sued me. They gave me a gold record, a bullet points gold record that I have on my wall here somewhere. You know, but... Uh, but that, those songs were started for Love and Money, which became somewhat of a single for them. It was my idea, my arrangement, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of weird, you know? And, and But, you know, King Cobra did leave its tentacles out there, though, you know? You got Johnny Rod went with Wasp. Right. You know, his career started with King Cobra. Mark Free, Marcy Free started with King Cobra, you know? And uh, the, the Bullet Boys basically started with King Cobra. And then I left and went to uh, Blue Murder. Right. So the tentacles really, you know, went all different ways from that band. Yeah. And, and then 2010, we were offered a deal from Frontiers. So I got the original band back together. And then Mark, Marcy Mark didn't want to do it. So I got Paul Shotino. And then we've done two albums and a live album with Paul. And now we're working on another album. Yeah, you bring up the Blue Murder album, man. That might be, that's one of my favorites out of, you know, yeah, out of your entire career, you know. I'm just like, man, that every time I go back and listen to that, I'm like, God, this is just, I, it just never surprises me how good it is. And, I mean, I go back to it regularly, and I, I it just never gets old. If anything, I appreciate it more and more every day, you know. Yeah. And uh, Well, yeah, the closest thing I have to Blue Murder is my Guitars record. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard that. I don't think that I have. Oh, you got to hear that. What was go on, it? Go on YouTube called Carmine of Peace, Guitar Zeus. Oh, no, you it's know what? I, I did listen to that. Yeah. It came out a couple yeah, years me, ago, Me right? and Tony and Kelly, very similar to Blue Murder. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I did yeah. hear that a couple years ago it came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it came out actually in 95 first. Oh, uh, was there a reissue? Did it get reissued a couple of years ago or something? Yeah, I, I, I well, it never came out in America. So oh, okay. I reissued it on my own label a couple of years ago. And now Deco's doing a box set with all the stuff on it, which includes uh, three new tracks. You know, with uh, you got one with Derek Sherinian from uh, Sons of Apollo and Dream Theater on the right. keyboard, like a, like a guitar. And you yeah. got Tommy from Kiss is on another track. And my buddy from Kodiak is on another track, you know, Chris. So along with everybody else and some new tracks with Bumblefoot and all that stuff. So that's coming out as a box set on Deco in uh, November, time for Christmas. So yeah, you got plenty of material coming out. Yeah, I do. uh, And then um, I thought I heard there was going to be, what was it? A Vanilla Fudge reissue of some sort that was coming out. No, Well, that's coming out. It's not a reissue. It's the very last track that Tim Bobert played with us, right? It was the uh-huh. very last track. Uh, and it's the Supremes, 
song, just like you keep hanging on, that's lasted 50 years. And it's called Stop in the Name of Love. And oh, we did okay. the same kind of thing to it as we did to Hang It On. And it's a tribute to Tim because he died in January. Okay. And so, the, you know, we started Vanilla Fudge. We could keep hanging on with the original band. And we finished with the original band with Stop in the Name of Love. Even though the band is still playing as a band with another bass player. We've been doing that for 10 years. Yeah. You know, Tim's retired. But, uh, but I'm glad we got Tim to play on this, you know. Yeah. No, that's cool. And I have one, one more project that's coming out uh, on September 24th. The single coming out on the 31st, an instrumental project called A Peace Perdomo Project. Perdomo was a guitar player that's in the new, a new well, it's not, I don't know how new it is, but it's a documentary on Netflix called Echo in the Canyon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's a guitar player who does a live show. Okay. And black hat and black beard. You know, looks like a, an evil sucker. He's an unbelievably talented guitarist, bass player, and keyboard player. So we have an instrumental album coming out of Cleopatra called Energy Overload. And it's funny because I just sent uh, Susie Quattro one of the tracks that she could hear what I'm doing lately. And she loved it so much. The instrumental says, I want to put a vocal to this. I said, all right, do it. <laughs> so she still sells real big in Europe. You know, so. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good for her to do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've been hearing her name pop up more and more lately. It's... Yeah, she's got a documentary out, too. Oh, does uh -huh. she? I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Joan Jett says that she based her whole image and the whole idea of her playing uh, on Susie Quattro. Right. And then she was on Happy Days, you know, that uh, Fonzie's girlfriend, you know? Yeah. So yeah, man. I mean, geez, going all the way back to Vanilla Fudge and then Cactus, and you played with Rod Stewart and Ozzy Osbourne on the uh, Bark at the Moon tour, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I was associate producer on the album until uh, she fired me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's enough of those sharing, enough of those sharing yeah. stories out there, I guess. But. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would think. I mean, I don't know, because I'm sure back in the day, back in the Vanilla Fudge days and everything, there was probably a lot of cra craziness on tour back then, because oh, you guys yeah. toured with Zeppelin and stuff. Um, and I, I know there's there's stories, you know, tied in with the Mud Shark story and stuff, but we don't have to get into yeah, that sure. or anything. But, yeah. you know. All these are in my book. All in yeah. my books. Stick it. My life is sex, drums, and rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you can, get those, you can get those on my website if anyone wants any. Okay. Yeah, and no, uh, I guess the point I was going to make, and I started babbling, but uh, <laughs> the, I would imagine uh -huh. the Aussie, the uh, the Aussie tour at that that era of Aussie, I would imagine that might have been the craziest of road stories. Um, I don't know, but yeah, a lot of stories. <laughs> a lot of stories. I mean, my book is has some of them. I could probably write another book with the rest of the stories. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then you, if I'm remembering correctly, you got asked to join Whitesnake right when King Cobra I did. started. Uh, no, no, when we were doing the second album. Oh, I was, was the second signed, album? I was signed to, to Capitol Records. See, in those days when he was signed to a major label, 
you couldn't just jump ship and join another label if you were the signature on the, on the contract. So that happened to me twice in my life. And both times the band that I couldn't join ended up being huge. Yeah. First one, first one was Rainbow. Oh, yeah. Where she blackmailed and asked me to join Rainbow. And I had a group called KGB with Mike Bloomfield and Rick Wretch um, on MCA Records. And I was signed to them. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And then the second time was the White Snake. And I, I said to John, it was John Sykes and, uh, and David Coverdale, he said, I have my own snake to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Had I known it was going to sell 27 million records, I would have tried to do something to play on it. <laughs> right. Well, what can you do, you know? There you go. That's life. Yeah. yeah. I ended up playing with John anyway and Blue Murder. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, I, you know, that Blue Murder album, I and mean, that turned into that might not have happened had you joined White Snake, and I mean, no, to maybe me, not. to me, that Blue Murder album's better than anything that White Snake put out in that era. You know, I mean, I agree, so, and the second one, and the second one too, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Blue Murder's a great band. That, you know, sorry to see it go the way it went. You know, after we did that album, it came out, and, and right at the tail end of the 80s and that's when the all that nirvana and everything started yeah you know and, and we were like dinosaurs and then we did the second album i was i was out of the band so was tony we we both did that second album as sidemen you know because yeah. because you know john was john was doing great living off the big money he made on all the royalties he made on white snake you know, it, but, you know, I like to play. I don't like sitting around. Right. And I started playing with Vanilla Fudge, and, you know, John didn't like it, so we went our ways. And so, so Tony went and did something, too, and went our ways. But then when he tried to do the album, he called us up and asked us to, uh, you know, I'm not sure about Tony. Tony might have been with the band at that point. But I know I was gone, and they put me down as a sideman on the record. I played 10 out of 12 tracks, you know. And when I played with Tony, one of my favorite ones, I'm on fire with Kelly Keelan. And that's when I met Kelly, and that's when we went to Japan to do a tour as a Carmine of Peace Super Session, Volume 2. I did Volume 1 in, in 82, and then I took Mitch Perry with us, and, uh, and we did Blue Murder songs from the second album. We did uh, some history songs for all of us, and... It was pretty fun, right? and we signed a lot of Blue Murder records under that. Yeah. So when we went there the first time with John and Blue Murder, it was like the twelve thousand people in Tokyo. Yeah. It was fun because I was in the the trio of the past with BBA, and the trio of the future with Blue Murder in the magazines. Hmm. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah, I thought Blue yeah. Murder was interesting because I mean, at one point. Uh, Ray Gillen was originally the lead singer, at least on the demos and stuff, if I remember correctly, right? He was brought in to do the sing on the demos, and then John Sykes ended up singing. Yeah, all the, all the singers flaked out, and then we auditioned a bunch of singers, and then finally me and Tony said to John, look, you did the demos, why don't you sing? Yeah. You know? So we really pushed him into singing. Yeah. And so we could be like the cream, you know, a trio. When three of us sing, it'd be great. So, yeah. so you sure? Yeah, he was unsure of himself. Yeah. Because he'd never done that before. So. Yeah, that's what I thought was weird. 
you know, like a hell of a performance for somebody that hadn't, you know, yeah. ever done that. So, yeah, he did a great job and live did a great job and his voice was strong. Yeah. You know, his voice was really strong. You know, no problem. So I was going to ask you just since it was, you know, obviously recent, uh, you know, Charlie Watts passing away and that whole thing. I, I can only assume he was a, uh, you know, big influence on you as a player or. No, you're talking about uh, Charlie? Yeah. No, Charlie wasn't really an influence on me, except for when I was at Rod Stewart. I like Charlie's playing. Right. But I was already playing, you know, uh, they made it in 63, I made it in 67. And in those years in between, I used to listen to the Rascals. I listened to R&B and all that stuff. I didn't really listen much to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and all that. And I was more of an R&B guy. Um, I started getting into the Beatles in 66 and the Stones around the same time. And I thought Charlie was good, but my style was already set, you know. Oh, I gotcha. By, by that time. But when I played with Rod, Rod would tell me, listen to listen to Charlie. You know, play behind the beat like Charlie, you know? Yeah. So I used to listen to Charlie for that. And, and once I learned that, you know, I listened to the Rolling Stones records, you know, like uh, Roman Kimmy Shelton and all that Beggar's Banquet. I thought it was a great record. Yeah, but I always listened to it as a band. I never listened to it like to learn something from Charlie, you know, versus like when I listen to Madrasa Orchestra or the Police or uh, anything like that, even like Zeppelin, you know, you, you listen to a band like that to get ideas from them, you know. Right. But I never really got many ideas from, from the songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now that you say that, it's that's kind of what sparked the uh, the question. I guess was yesterday. I think I saw that you posted something about. Yeah, I, just, I, I didn't know him. That I met him a couple of times. I said he was a you know, great player. He was uh, legendary, and he will be missed, and he will be. And, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know him. I met him a couple of times, but I can't really say I knew him or I was a friend. Like I could say John Bonham was my friend. Ian Pace was my friend. Nico, Nico's my friend, you know. Guys like that, Stuart Copeland's a friend, you know. Yeah. But, uh, Billy Cobble, you know, but I didn't really know him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, you know, just, just the last month there was him and Dusty Hill, and it just seems... Yeah, and Tim Bogert, and, and, yeah. It, Tim Bogert in January, and uh, uh, many other people. It's terrible, you know? It's yeah. like, but, you know, we're all getting old. It makes me feel a little worried. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be 75, and, uh, in December, you know, it's like yeah. 80s, only five years away, you know? Yeah. So, but, well, speaking yeah. of, you know, influences and stuff, I mean, or not even influences, but just stuff that you, you know, listen to and get ideas from or just listen to and just dig the music or whatever. Are there are there newer bands that you, that you listen to and get in, you know? I, not really, you know why? Because... I used to ride in the car, put on the radio, and hear new bands. Tell you the truth, I've been listening to Christian radio because I like some of the songs. You know, yeah. I've become more more of a Christian guy in my old age, and uh, I wrote a few Christian songs. and And their songs are very drum oriented. 
you know, it's a really interesting, different way of playing than playing rock, straight rock. Yeah. Uh, but, but I don't even know who's playing on it. But I don't really, uh, you know, I don't really have the time to sit around and search YouTube for new videos. Or I don't listen to Spotify because I just don't like the idea of it. Right. You know, it's like that Spotify is just ripping all of us off. You know, so uh, if I hit upon somebody tells me about a band or they send me a song, I listen to it, I go, oh, that's pretty cool. But, you know, I don't I don't sit around and you know, listen to serious radio. I listen to the Soul Station, you know, I listen to Groove. I listen to pop rock sometimes. Sometimes I listen to, uh, I listen a lot to the Beatles Station, you know. So, because yeah, a lot of new bands, you know, they don't do anything for me. Yeah. It's really stuff that's being rehashed, except the... the the metal, the metal stuff that has some really good playing, that's more like playing from the head and not inspirational playing from the heart. Where every night's the same with the bass drums follow the guitar with an unbelievable technique, you know. But then the voice comes in and it's like, <laughs> you know? yeah. And I go, what, what happened here? You know, yeah. I don't, I don't get that. And you know, that really, the, the voicing blows it for me, you know. Yeah, no. But you know, I like I liked uh, like Winery Dogs. I thought they were cool. I like Sons of Apollo. I thought they were cool. But they're not new bands, you know. They're, right. they're old guys playing newer, you know, just new music. But, but they were cool. Like when I saw Winery Dogs, I thought Mike Portnoy played the best I've ever seen, heard him play. And that because he, he didn't play everything note for note. Every night was different. Yeah. And that's that's what I like. You know, all, all my idols played like that. You know. And most great inspirational drummers play like that, you know? Yeah. So when he played that, he had some great stick twirls. It was awesome, you know? But then I've seen him with, with uh, Dream Theater, totally different, you know? You know? So I was more into every night you go out and play, it's different. Right. Yeah, a little bit more yeah. of a rock and roll show, so. Yeah, and so you get somebody who comes to two shows, why bother going to two shows if it's going to be exactly the same? Yeah. You know, everything's exactly the same. The space show is the same. The lights are the same. You know, where you, you know, when we played with Rod, you know, everything was improvised. You know? I mean, we knew when the song was going to start and when it was going to end. The solos were improvised. I had a drum solo was totally improvised. You know, Rod would stop the band, sing with the audience. We never knew when he was going to do that. He put his hand up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you had to watch, you know. It was like you were in the same space as the audience. Yeah, you, know? you don't see that too often anymore. I mean, a band, yeah. like a real band leader that can, you know, lead and direct his band and do stuff yeah. like that, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, probably the only bands I've seen recently, and it wasn't even that recent, but I mean, like, you know, Tom Petty a little bit and you yeah. know, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. like those are the... Two guys I've yeah, seen well, within the last well, decade. Well, yeah, I like Bruce and everything, but you know, when I see Bruce live for three hours, a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I saw. Yeah, when I saw him, it was three I, and a half last hours. Time I saw him. Man. I left after I don't know, an hour and a half. You know, and, and it got to be a drag watching. You know, somebody takes a solo and the big the cameras on beats on Bruce. Yeah. You know, and there's a drum break and the cameras on Bruce instead of Max. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, wow. You know, I, I thought that was a bit weird. You know, and I, and I know Bruce. I, I don't know him well. I know. I knew Max really well, and I knew uh, Clarence really well, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I really liked some of the songs, a lot of songs. But when you see it over and over for three hours, it's a bit much. Yeah. I went to see them in the 80s. I watched the whole show, and half of it was cover songs. Where they used to play in the clubs in New York, you know. So that didn't really do much for me. Yeah. But anyway, you know, Bruce is an amazing artist, great following. And... Uh, you know, I, I do love Bruce, but I, I just I just can't do three hours in, in the seat. Right. Yeah. Because I'm getting too old to sit in the seat for three hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I stood, and it was, you know, it was. Uh, so even stand, yeah, it was a long time. Three man. hours. It was hard. Uh, come on, dude. one spot. You gotta, your legs got to be killing me by the end of three hours. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's it's good you're giving the audience uh, the money's worth and all that, but you know. Right, it's, it's yeah. a bit rough, you know, to be in a to be in a space for three hours. You know, yeah. when I went started going to this Christian church down there, the thing that turned me on to this church when I went, it had an unbelievable band. You know, with the, with the band leader singer directing the band, they break it down, they bring it up, they have dynamics like vanilla fudge, and the singing. They have five great singers singing. It was fantastic, you know. Yeah, really, really inspiring. You know, it's like. And, and they had an electronic drum set. I even got him a D drum kit, an acoustic kit, you know. And that's when I found the guy that plays it is a monster, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book with him uh, how to play Christian rock drumming. Yeah. You, know? you get up with him and play at the services? And stuff? Uh, not yet. I, I will at some point because I really like the band. I really like them. They're, they're great. You know, and I, I, this Christian songs I wrote, I got a, a couple of the female singers and the, and the main singer to sing lead on it and the guitar player, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, those bands, I mean, I, I'm not a Christian man myself, so I don't go to church, but my brother does down in Georgia, down south in yeah. Atlanta. And I mean, the oh, videos yeah, yeah. he sent me of his church it was crazy i was like yeah okay <laughs> you know at first I mean, and, and, the, and the church is like a revival there's people jumping up and down there on the floor the other day i'm in there and this this uh they do a thing they come up and we'll say prayers with me one woman said prayers and she fell right to the floor and she starts shivering shaking you know and i was wondering i said man is she all right is she is she dying you know right and and and, they, and the, the pastor that was over i was told you know Holding hands, saying prayers on, and then she stopped, and she and she shivering again, and she stopped, and she got up. And at the end of it, at the outside, I said, "Man, what happened with her?" She goes, oh, "She has some spiritual problems, and we're trying to fix." I said, "I never seen anything like that." I gotta say, yeah, I've seen that in the movie. Movies, yeah, like Leap of Faith with but, Steve Martin or something. <laughs> yes, but I've never seen, I've never seen that live. That blew me away. I was going to get up and ask me, you want me to go get help in the ambulance or something? You know, because she looked like she was dead. You know? Yeah, I'm sure I would have reacted the same way. I wouldn't I Yeah, wouldn't but it was what to do. And then when he said, no, she's having spiritual problems and we're working them out, I said, wow. This is crazy, man. This is like, uh, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I've been to these kind of churches in L.A. and uh, when my sister lives in Whittier and in New York and Connecticut. Nothing like this place down here. This place is like a revival. And if I send you a video, 
Everybody's jumping up and down, they're dancing, they're singing. They can break down at any point and the audience sings the whole lyric. Yeah. Amazing. They do that for 45 minutes, then they do their preaching, and then the band plays another half hour, you know, and just keep jamming Christian songs. They're awesome. Some of them are so funky, you know, they're awesome. Really great. Anyway, it's inspiring. You walk out of there going fired up, you know, wow, that was cool. Right. You know? Yeah, so. Well, yeah, and, uh, yeah, so it's all good. Anything that inspires you and makes you want to play, and you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I love to play with these guys. You know, they, they inspired me to write these Christian songs. You know, right. And uh, I think I wrote uh, three really good songs. Uh, I'm getting a mix now. We're trying to go for a Christian deal. Yeah, something different. You know? So all good. Well, cool, man. Hey, I don't. I don't want to keep you too long or anything. And okay, uh, yeah, I gotta you know. get going. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize we've been on for a while. Yeah. But hey, thanks, thanks for the uh, for the interview, and uh, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, give a push to the King Cobra stuff and the uh, energy overload, the uh, Chris Perdomo thing, and the guitars is coming out in uh, November. You know, and yeah. I guess uh, they must have sent you any of the uh, uh, links you need for. King Cobra stuff, right? Yeah, I think I just got the uh, the live, the Sweden Rock live thing was the only cool. thing that was mentioned. But I mean, I found the uh, the yeah, I mean, we have a Facebook. Stuff, I, I don't run the Facebook. I mean, Paul Tino's wife does, you know, because I'm not I'm not like that active on that stuff. I mean, I'm active enough to get you know sixty thousand people on one and twenty thousand on another and twenty thousand on. You know, I might have 100,000 people on all my stuff altogether, but I don't do it every day. You know? yeah. I do it when, when something I want to put on there, you know. Even though, you know, all the managers are, put up this vanilla fudge track that's coming out. you got to have it on Facebook, on the internet, on on your, your you know, vanillafudge.com. Put up this and put up that, you know. Like I put up the dates I'm doing with my brother, some VIP people that want to come see us, you know? Stuff like that, and just to let people know where we're playing. Uh, I'm not like every day, three to four times a day, putting up all this stuff to try and gain as many people as I can. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just like to have some fun. It's exhausting to try to keep up with all that. So. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So. All right, dude. All right, man. Thank you. I'll hey. talk to you soon, man. Yeah, okay. thank you for calling. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, a big, huge thank you to Carmine Apiece for calling and having a little chat with me today. Thank you all for listening. Until next time.